The white horse is carrying the Antichrist. He is soon to appear on the stage of world history. He will be a deceiver. He will be a dictator, a global dictator. He will be a living devil for the Bible clearly teaches that he will be anointed by Satan himself. He will force every person on the earth to take his mark in their right hand or in their forehead or to be killed. He will come promising peace to Israel for a period of seven years and he will break that treaty in 42 months. He will set up his image in the city of Jerusalem for the world to worship him as he establishes a one world religion, a one world government, and a one world currency. This week, one of the major financial papers in the world, the Financial Times, called for the abolishing of cash. In time, that's going to be a reality. So I gotta have to start without saying the word mark. Last time, we've got to find a different yeah, way. Yeah, don't do that. Um, uh, that Previously was... <laughs> on Interman Radio. Ah. No, that's that's yeah. been used already. You know, that was quite a clip we just heard from... Uh, <laughs> that from... was amazing. Yeah, so, wow. so, I mean, you don't want to laugh at when you're talking about... Antichrist, because it's a serious subject, Mark. But but you're laughing. What? what I, it's you, hard not to because there's you, there's a cloak and a, and a hooded robe and a tail and jeez. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. So uh, in this passage, we're in First John. We're in First John chapter two, and we happen to be going into a passage where the Antichrist is talked about. And in fact, uh, John is telling us. He's saying, look, it is the last hour. And just as you heard in verse 18, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. And from this, we know that it is the last hour. Okay, what is Antichrist here, Mark? Well, unfortunately, I mean, I hate to be the one to burst somebody's bubble, but Antichrist... Or Profit Center. (laughs) Antichrist is one of those terms that gets thrown around along with some others in the New Testament that are misunderstood. And they get they get used in these sensational ways to try to drum people up with this kind of mystery and and intrigue and right. the bible the bible really is much more straightforward about what the antichrist is he says in uh, he tells us in second john verse 7 he says many deceivers have gone out into the world those who don't acknowledge jesus christ as coming in the flesh this is the deceiver and the antichrist so, so the Antichrist, Antichrist isn't a person necessarily. It is a, it is a teaching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, it's or a, a teaching. person who's who's spreading a certain teaching would be anti-Christian, Antichrist in their teaching. Exactly. First John chapter four verse three says, "Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God." And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, hmm. of which you've heard that it's coming, and now it is already in the world. All those guys, they always look, the Antichrist is just right around the corner. Right. He's coming any day now. I think he might be here in your closet, under your bed, right. waiting to come out and grab you. And John says, well, there's lots of them, and they're already here. And that's when he wrote the letter. Right. So they've been hanging around for 2,000 years. It's a personification of a teaching. It's not a it's not a breed of demon that comes out, you know, near the end times to destroy the world as the spawn of Satan. So the antichrist teaching that he's talking about here is the teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh. Right. 
Okay. Well, we don't have any problems with that today, though, right? I mean, we we don't have any uh, antichrist teaching today because right. this was a, something that they dealt with just back then. Yeah, John handled it, and uh, we yeah. especially we don't have it in local churches. No. Antichrist. I think there was a like a city ordinance passed that said you can't have antichrist right, in right. your local churches, right. and that's why we don't see any we don't we don't see any black hearted sinners today. In local churches, people who who are just decrepit spiritually and morally bankrupt and can never do anything right and just have to live in slavery to sin. That's all been abolished with right. the teaching of the Antichrist. So, so you're say, wait a minute. So you're saying that someone who claims that we're just black-hearted sinners that can't overcome sin that they're an Antichrist. Yep. All right. So let's let's walk through that for just a right. second. Okay. So actually, I'm just gonna. Uh, do you want to walk through? Yeah, no, let's pause for a second for effect. That after after I okay, say this. All right. So you're saying that someone who claims that uh, we're just black-hearted sinners and that we can never overcome uh-huh, sin, uh-huh. you're saying that that teaching is anti-Christ teaching. How, how long a pause do we... We'll say yes first. Yes! Then we pause. Okay, Mark. So <laughs> let's walk through that for a second. Yeah, that that is a that is a bombshell. It really, is. for for many people listening, they're thinking, "How did you come to that conclusion?" Well, let's let's go back here for a second. First John is is First uh, John is written. If we go back to the very opening of First John, he he says, "What we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched." He First John's really trying to prove to a person that Jesus came in the flesh. And that was a response to the Gnostics of the day. It was. Those folks who said, look, Jesus couldn't have come in the flesh because if he did, the flesh is corrupt. He would not have been able to be without sin. So therefore, since he was without sin, he came in spirit, but not in flesh. Right. And that was the teaching that John was addressing in that day. Now today... Uh, Gnosticism would uh, would look probably something like this: Jesus came in the flesh, sort of, but not really in a flesh like yours or mine. Because if he did, he would have sinned. Um, his flesh was different because he was God in the flesh, and therefore he couldn't have sinned. So that that would be the the modern translation of that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Uh, and so so really, that teaching contradicts. What the scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that he was tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. Right. So a person who's going to claim that, look, Jesus made it without sin, but he's different than us, really, that is an anti-Christ teaching. It is, because it, it denies that Jesus came in the flesh. It means he came in some other kind of flesh. The result of that is that we can't look at Jesus as a pattern for us because his flesh was different than ours. Right. If we accept the idea, the premise that Jesus' flesh was just like our flesh, if he really was made like his brethren in all things and was tempted in all things as we are, and Jesus still lives perfectly, then the the consequence of that belief is that we have to believe that the Spirit of God in us can do the same thing now. That he can live perfectly, even though being tempted in all things. So what happens is people have kind of worked the they've worked it in reverse. They've said, "Well, I know that I can't live without sin, therefore 
Why did Jesus do it? How could he manage? Well, he must have had some kind of advantage. When they do that, even though they wouldn't say it necessarily, what they've done is they've cheapened the flesh of Christ in some way. So they've said he has not come in a flesh like ours. And they usually couch it in words that, that, aren't, that aren't intended to that consequence, but they have the same result. Things like, well, Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. Well, what right. are you? Biblically speaking, I mean, son of God. So when they use terms like that, it gives it's a subtle excuse to, uh, to, to cheapen, really, Jesus' experience in the flesh. Right. Okay, so backing up just a little bit. The, the Gnostics of the first century. Now, Gnosticism, if you research it uh, throughout time, it has taken on different meanings uh, in different eras, and it means different things. In this context, Gnosticism of the first century really was to say, look— we really can't overcome sin, and we really shouldn't try because we are in the flesh. Therefore, eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Yeah. That was kind of the, so. But really, if you listen closely to modern, what we would air quotes call Christian teaching today, that really is the underlying current as well. Yeah. Uh, we really can't overcome sin, but we, we need to make a good show of it. Uh, make a good make a good run. It's not going to happen though, so don't beat yourself up when you don't do it. Right. Yeah. Modern day Gnostics accept the conclusion, but they deny the premise. Whereas you know the the early Gnostics started with the premise to arrive at that conclusion. Right. It's the same. It's the same game. Same result. Same result. So the next verse, they went out from us, but they weren't really of us. For if they had been of us, in verse 19, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. Who went out from us? Uh, horned people with fangs? I mean, <laughs> they... right. albinos with, um, with, with, with red eyes. No, people yeah. who didn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, and particularly the folks who were promoting that understanding, that idea that, no, Jesus didn't have a body like ours, that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. Right. So moving through this, um, we, we've established that, uh, what Antichrist teaching was in this passage. Uh, hopefully, if, if anyone wants to go through that maybe a little bit more in depth, we'd be happy to do that. But I think that covers that for now, right? Yeah. Okay. He says in the next verse, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you... All know. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Mark, what does this mean by this anointing that would help that Christian know? So in 1 John 2, verse 20, he says, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. John adds, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. He says, you guys know the truth. You have an anointing. In John 14, verse 26, he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And in the first century, that's exactly how it worked. Right. Uh, the, the, the Christians here in First John, they had received anointing of the Holy Spirit that taught them directly uh, as Jesus had promised. And as a result, they didn't need any new teachings. Yeah, these guys are living at a time when those spiritual gifts are existent. And so gifts like prophecy, revelation, speaking in tongues, all of those things are opportunities. They're conduits through which the Holy Spirit in them speaks through them and provides them with direct revelation in the absence of the completed New Testament. So these guys, 
have received directly from God exactly what the gospel message is, and they don't need something new. So John's not writing to them, hey, I'm going to add something that you guys just don't have. The purpose of John's of John's letter is first really to emphasize the importance of what they've already heard and what they already know. Right. And then eventually, of course, they're going to transition away from those spiritual gifts and the gospel or the, rather the epistle of John is going to be left. And so we get the we get the benefit of having John's epistle preserved for us so that we understand not only where they came from and the challenges of that day, but also what they were learning. This really is a struggle between two two different views, that Jesus did come in the flesh, he is the Son of God, and that's what they all knew, as opposed to this additional teaching that's been tri- that's tried to creep in on the edges, the idea that Jesus did not come in the flesh, and the battle between those two ideas. 1 John chapter 4, the first three verses, actually sums that up pretty nicely. He says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit. Well, which spirits are these? I mean, is, this, are, are, is there a seance going right, on? Right, right. What's happening? Right. These are people who are going to come into the assembly, and they're going to have a teaching, have a revelation, mm-hmm. have a, right? A word from the Lord. They might. Yes. But John warns them. He says, hey, uh, guys, not everybody who claims that I'm from God is from God. So he says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And those guys are the Antichrist's delivery system. They're the the way through which that teaching moves. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, this is verse 2, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it's coming, and now it is already in the world. They were going to have to really do battle with this idea that was masquerading as revelation from God. Somebody would show up, say, I have a word from the Lord. But if that word didn't include the idea that Jesus came in the flesh, John says, watch out. He said, that's not from above, that's from below. He says, if somebody shows up and they do confess that Jesus is the Christ, he said, that's the spirit that you ought to follow. Because they were going to, it would be tricky in the first century. Somebody blow into town and... And let's put this into into, uh, our our existence as Christians and the, the battles that we fight every day. Somebody... Uh, is is battling sin in the first century, just like people do today. Somebody walks into assembly and says, I've got a word from the Lord, all right? And they say, you know what? That battle that you're losing to sin, uh, you're going to lose. You're, you don't beat yourself up. Stop feeling guilty over it. Yeah, yeah. Because really, you, you can't win that right. battle. Because, because Jesus never really came in the flesh. He didn't have the same flesh as you. It would be tempting for a person to buy into that. Sure. Because no one wants to, I mean, especially someone who's sincere about overcoming sin and, and maybe beats themselves up for it and says, man, well, you know what? Maybe maybe this is, maybe he's right. I can't overcome this. Why try? You know, the same would apply today, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. I mean, you that has Antichrist clause all over it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's just packaged for modern consumption. But that's exactly how that gets pitched in, you know, in churches far and wide uh, all across the fruited plain. Because, you know, it's, it's insidious, it's, it's, it's devious, it appeals to, uh, it appeals to our, our, our baser nature to, to quit and throw in the towel, but that's exactly where it comes from. Again, they've accepted the conclusion, even though in modern day religion, they wouldn't accept the premise. No one would say they're Gnostic, but that's the conclusion that no they've No one would drawn. say out loud, I don't believe just Jesus came in the flesh. No, they wouldn't. What they would say is, I don't believe his flesh performs the same way as ours. Just like mine, right. 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 Nobody would say, I'm an antichrist. Right. <laughs> but that's exactly what many of them have become when they promote that idea, is they've, they've subtly accepted the idea that Christ had an edge, and therefore, I've got an excuse. So if you're listening to this, uh, there's probably some folks who are listening to this and have heard this idea for the very first time. And aside from thinking that we're whack jobs, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, or, or thinking, whoa, I've never heard this before. This is crazy talk. We encourage you to go back and listen to the first uh, five episodes of Interman Radio where we really talk about overcoming sin because that puts this conversation into context as well. Can a person, can a Christian with the Holy Spirit do battle with and beat sin? Can a person overcome temptation? Uh, Can the Spirit in us do that? And so we walk through some of the mechanics on that, and we'd encourage you to listen to that as well. Did I phrase that incorrectly? Should I rephrase that differently? No, that was good. I loved it. It wasn't too, okay. You nailed it. All right. That that may have been our best episode ever. Really good. Really good. Then we'll see you next time on Interman Interman Radio. Radio. Yeah, excellent. One, One of our best.